Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day that you've given us. Thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your anointing and thank you for your precious word. Help us to feed on the manna that you have given us for today from heaven. Let it be you only, Lord, and not me who speaks to your people. Help them to hear. Give them ears to hear. Plow their hearts to receive the seed of your word into good ground and let it take root and bear fruit in their lives that they may be helped in every way and thereby helping others with the overflow. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Sort of had a little series going on uh, Believe. This will be the third the third uh, on that sort of theme, and it caught, caught on in my heart, so I just sticking with it during this uh, season of Christmas, when uh, people are teaching that if you don't believe in Santa Claus, he won't come. In a way. We need to be letting the world know if they don't believe in Jesus, he won't be real for them. The last few weeks we've had some beautiful truths, sort of handing out big key chains this Christmas, sort of through through the scriptures here, and we had a... We explored the, one of the keys to the kingdom of God was, uh, and abiding in, in Christ, staying near and in, in God, which is something that's very important, is thankfulness. That will keep us abiding in Christ and close to Him if we're thankful people. And the next thing we talked about was... Uh, that the childlike faith that Jesus talks about, which we unraveled and really discovered that that is really a humility that recognizes its total dependence upon God and not on self, is a key to praying and receiving from God. And today I want to continue on and just try to get your hopes up while the world is telling people not to get their hopes up. So they won't be disappointed. That's the opposite in the kingdom of God. Because expectations and appointments, in other words, with God are never in vain. It's like the scripture said in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Nothing that we do or give or believe or trust in God with or for is ever in vain. And his word never returns void, does it? The key I want to talk to you about today is praise. Praising God glorifies God. And it magnifies God in our hearts and minds. Amen? We were talking about Mary 
the mother of Jesus, last week. I can't wait to meet Mary. I don't pray to Mary because she can't hear me. But I do look forward to meeting her. Wow. When God told people about the coming of children, it met with some different responses throughout Scripture. You remember when... You remember what you know what Isaac means? Laughter. You know why they called him laughter? Because when the Lord told Abraham or Abram and Sarai at the time, Abraham and Sarah later, <clears throat> when he added the ah, which is the letter for grace <laughs> to their names. When he told them that they were going to have a child in their old age, Sarah laughed, didn't she? <laughs> and the Lord said, what did you laugh for? She said, no, I didn't. <laughs> he said, yes, you did. <laughs> You're going to have a son. His name's going to be Isaac. And then when we talked a couple of weeks ago, when uh, the angel came and told Zechariah, that he and Elizabeth would have John the Baptist, something they'd been praying and believing for for many years, and they were in their old age. And he, that that uh, answered prayer was met with disbelief. <laughs> but not with Mary. Mary was like Hannah when she was told about the prophet Samuel, her son, coming when she was up against a, a malicious person in Panina. But Mary's response was a positive one. Let it be so. As you have said, let it be unto me. I'm the servant of the Lord. It was a positive response. And so it should be with us. Our response to God when he gives us a demand or an instruction or a plan, it shouldn't be met with laughter or unbelief, but with willing acceptance. Amen? Amen. And we should get our hopes up about everything that God has for us and has told us and every promise in his word that we wrap our hearts and faith around. Because the answer for God's children to all of those promises is yes and amen in Christ. Amen. And we know that we need to praise God because it does magnify God. It does glorify God. The word says that God inhabits the praise of his people. Isn't that interesting? If you really believe that, If we really believed that, we would walk around praising God all the time. We should believe it. I'm standing here now. I know that I know that I know that I do believe that. And I'm asking myself as I'm telling you this, why don't you praise Him (laughs) 24-7? I think I'm going to look into that. Because I know that it's true. It blesses God. When we praise him. I want to go back to Luke. 
get my old Bible here. Only this cover is holding it together. But I want to read where I stopped off last week about Mary's response to God. She responded positively, of course, and then she went to her cousin Elizabeth's house. Elizabeth was much older than her, of course, but she was a cousin. So John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin, second cousin, you see. But when Mary found out that she was going to have Jesus and found out how it was going to happen... Thankfully, the angel told her that Elizabeth was six months pregnant as well in her old age. And so this, uh, I know, we know that Mary rushed to Elizabeth's house. She didn't live next door. She lived in another town. And so she took the journey to go and see. And I know she just needed someone. She needed probably a little encouragement at this point, don't you think? This teenage girl who had accepted such a great burden without even second thought. Well, don't you know that a lot of thought process did come after that? You can only imagine. She was like us in every way, and every teenage girl you know, I mean. Things had to be going through her mind, so she went to her cousin's house, and, and, and she was very happy to see her. And when Elizabeth opened the door... She was overcome with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy and and John the Baptist, who was a six-month-old baby in her womb, <laughs> leaped for joy. <clears throat> and then Elizabeth prophesied. The Spirit of the Lord came upon her, and she said, "Blessed are you among women." Speaking to Mary. Now, she, Mary didn't send her a letter and tell her this. She, she had no foreknowledge of Mary having received this immaculate conception before she saw her at her door, okay? And Mary hadn't said anything to her yet. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Elizabeth to encourage Mary in part. God is good like that. And I'm sure it really blessed Elizabeth as well because she was part of this whole big plan. John the Baptist, her son, his whole life was just in plan to, to, to be a very short ministry. I think about nine months before he was put in jail and they cut his head off just to proclaim the coming of the Lord. But anyway, she said, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. So she knew now because... This was a word of knowledge. This is one of the gifts of the Spirit. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord, she called him her Lord as well. Now she knew that she had to know that Mary was betrothed, engaged. But she knew this by the Spirit of the Lord, that the mother of my Lord should come to me. And as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Mary believed. And that's what allowed this to happen. You know, Mary could have said no. God would not have forced this on her. 
I believe that he knew she wouldn't because he knew her. But you know, she had a free will. And had she not said, let it be unto me, as you have said, he wouldn't have forced himself upon her. So blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. In the same way, God doesn't force anything upon us. We don't have to believe. We don't have to accept the truth of his promises. And we don't have to receive them. It's just like if he wrote, if you had a bank account for you with a million dollars in it and gave you the checkbook, you wouldn't, he wouldn't force you to write any checks on that account. Here's what I want to read. Mary had a song. It's called the Magnificent, or, or and some people call it that. But this is what she said. And Mary said, starting in verse 46, and I'm reading from the NIV, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for He has been mindful of the humble state of His servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped His servant Israel, remembering to be merciful, Abraham and his descent to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. <clears throat> that is what Mary said in response to Elizabeth's greeting. That is how you bless and praise God. How did she do it? That set of scriptures I just read to you, that Magnificat, that song of Mary, that response of Mary right there contains no less than eight Old Testament scriptures. She knew the word. She knew what God was telling her about. She had just received a word that every woman in Israel was hoping to hear. That she would be the mother of the awaited Messiah. And she praised Him and gave Him the glory and honored Him by repeating the wonderful things that He had done and said. God loves that. Whenever you have a need and you find the promises in the Bible that apply to that need, to meeting or filling that need, and you find or, or find a story where he did it for somebody else, and you hold that up to him and you remind him and you tell him, you did this and you said this and your word says this, he'll be sitting right there listening. He'll be saying, what did I say? Tell what did I say? What did I do? That's right, baby. That's right. And I will do it for you. I am no respecter of persons. I did it for one. I'll do it for you. 
You're my child and I love you. Amen. All those scriptures she had been hearing about all this wonderful things the Lord had done and was up to and was going to do for Israel and for her, for, for the people. And, and she realized that she had become a part of that. And she just started reciting that, rehearsing all of the wonderful things God had done and was going to do and was doing. And that's all that it amounts to. This was a, a wonderful and exciting time, as you can imagine, in, in the life of Mary. Especially at this moment, you know, she sort of gotten confirmation right there through her cousin, who the spirit of prophecy, the Holy Ghost had come upon, and, and it just all started, the dots all started connecting, right? She's happy, she's excited, her cousin is excited for her, they're celebrating together. And then it says, and then it says that she stayed, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. So, I'm sure that was a a great thing for Elizabeth, who in her old age was six months pregnant and starting to feel the the things that come along with that, especially as an elderly person. So I'm sure Mary was a great help to her, and she was probably learning a lot. Even though Elizabeth hadn't had children, she had definitely been had a lot of influence over others and their children. Amen. And uh, so that was a good time for Mary, and probably it was sort of a little bit of a uh, time to... <laughs> To hide away and to and not have to deal with some stuff, right? She's in a safe place where they they knew about it because they had received information from God, and and so everybody was of one accord there, and she was no no trouble, no danger, no risk. But then what? Back to reality. Now, the spiritual things that we talk about are more real than the natural things. But we still have natural... uh, Like like when I came to know the Lord, I wrote in my book that, uh, you know, it was my desire when I found out about all the good things that He had in store for me. I just wanted it all right then. And I wanted all the problems I had created over a lifetime to be gone and the consequences of them. But that wasn't the case. took a little while. And so Mary was here in a spot where she was going to have to go back and face some hardships, some hard realities of the day-to-day life and of the destiny that God had written for her and that she had agreed to. And having been with her cousin for these three months and some time to think about it, I'm sure she was starting to get a little anxious Because the angel, although he came and told her what was going to happen, God didn't just stand beside her and send angels every day to reinforce and encourage her and to tell her more. She was on her own. She was in the real world again. And I'm sure she was afraid. I think she probably shared the news with her parents first. Maybe a friend, I don't know, but... Probably in that culture, it was probably in her own household, her parents. And I already told you the dangers of that. Had her own father rejected her, 
and David and uh, Joseph rejected her, she would have maybe been out on the street, and bad things could have happened. But she had to go back and tell her parents and disrupt what had up to that point been a very wonderful young life for her. Think about it. She had a wonderful family. She was engaged to a great young man, a carpenter, who was from the, the lineage of King David. And she was looking forward to anticipating all the, the new life of marriage with Joseph. And she had to go and tell her parents. And then what? Then she had to tell Joseph, didn't she? <laughs> Wow. And to expect him to believe this fantastical tale, I don't think you could expect any man to believe that. And uh, he really didn't at first, did he? And he was going to, he was a kind man, he was a good man, he was, uh, he loved God and he, I think he really cared for Mary and so he wasn't going to do anything out of anger. Obviously, it's written that he, he was trying to find a way to do it, take just do it quietly. And uh, thankfully, he had a vision also from God, and and they told him that this was a true story that she had given him, and that's a good thing. How many of you know when you when you married, it's a good when God shares it with both of you. And he is very kind in that regard. He's done that for Tavana and me many times. And uh, it's fun and exciting when he does. And uh, even though this was a hard thing, when, he find, when, she, he finally, when they finally did tell Joseph, I'm sure that it was a huge relief for her. Because that's all that mattered, you know, to her really at this point. She was, she was going to be leaving her folks and be with this man forever and it was important that he believed her you, know? <laughs> you don't want to enter into a, a marriage like that so it was important that this woman and I admire and respect her so much for her bravery because she didn't know in advance the angel didn't tell her don't worry we're going to tell Joseph for you did he he didn't tell her she had to make this choice without knowing what the consequences were going to be. And for that, I admire and respect her very much. She was strong, she was courageous, and she was wise. People wouldn't see it that way today. They would say, that is crazy. You're praying, well, come on, we can go fix this. You know, don't say nothing to any, you know. But she was wise to agree with God and to stand firm, just trusting that God, however he was going to do it, was going to sort it out and just deal with everything head on. Everything that scared her, she went straight at it. Because she had a word from God. And in that word about this baby, all the provision and the pathway had been cleared for everything else that was going to transpire and it takes great faith to believe that 
I'm just trying to help us just to kind of be there and to see that. It's what I do around Easter time. I always like to take a few weeks and just help us just to walk with Jesus and get to know Him as He as he was going through all these things, as, as the real man that he had become, to be like one of us, to be our kinsman redeemer. And I thank God for this brave young woman. Proverbs 29, 25 says, The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. That's one of the that's a foundational scripture. It should be for the life of a Christian. Because you can disguise the fear of man in many ways and say, Oh, I'm not afraid. It's just that it's just that but 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 you gotta get your butt out of the way sometimes. But the fear of man brings a snare, and that snare comes from who? The devil. The fear of man, in other words, when it comes to bearing your cross every day, I picture a crossroads, like out in the country with wheat fields all around and just dirt road, and I see myself going down this road and there's another road crossing, just like a cross. <clears throat> and there's times in every day when I expect that something, somebody... Or something is going to present to me a temptation to either say something or do something that God disagrees with, and I know it. And the Bible says, for him who knows to do right and doesn't do it, it's a sin. I know that sometime during that day I'm going to come to some point, probably more than once, where my will, what I would rather do, and what God wants me to do are going to cross. And they're not going to line up, and I need to bear my cross and just get in agreement with God. That's bearing your cross. It's hard. It's a hard life. That's why I say just make up your mind in advance. It's like teaching kids about drugs and and, and, and premarital sex and things like that before they're put into those situations where they have to decide on the spot. It's better to make up your mind to agree with God. If God said it, that settles it. I'm going to agree with God and let Him deal with the consequences. Amen? Amen. If you don't, you're going to have a lot of hard spots in life. Whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. The fear of man brings us there, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. I looked up some other um, translations in the Bible for that same scripture. And for that word safe, they also use protected. That person is protected by God. Another says set securely on high. I think of being on high in the shadow of his wings. Amen. What Psalm 91 says. Or another Translation said, will be exalted, lifted up. So, in other words, it's saying you don't have to worry, even though it looks like you have to worry. When you should worry is when you're taking the easy road out because, hey, if I do this or say this, 
my co-workers may come against me or the world may come against me. My church may come against me if I tell the truth. Do it anyway. I love that poem Sister Teresa wrote called Anyway. She goes on and on and on about if you do this, all these good things that you do, the world will do this. If you're good to people, they'll take advantage of you. Do it anyway. If you do this, people will do this. Do it anyway. And then at the end she goes, because in the end, it was never between you and them. It's always been between you and God anyway. So in spite of all the consequences, Mary believed. She agreed with God. In spite of any consequences, she praised God. She glorified God. She was obedient to her calling. And she was the only woman in the world, only person in the world who was present at Not only the birth of the Lord, but the death. Can't wait to meet her. Luke one forty six. Remember when Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. My soul doth magnify the Lord. And I have that circled and underlined and I circled soul. Luke one forty six is from this same story I've been reading from for the last couple of weeks. But to magnify just means to make something greater in size or extent or effect. Right? So she says, I've magnified the Lord. I've made him greater in size or extent and his effectiveness. I magnify the Lord. And she said, in my soul. You know, as a born-again believer, if you're truly born again and your spirit has been renewed, the old sin nature has been cast out, the nature of God has come in, your spirit has been renewed, it's perfected forever. You have the very mind of Christ in your spirit and it's sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, incorruptible forever. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 explains that we are three-part beings, spirit, soul, and body. So we are a spirit. God is a spirit. And those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. That's John 4.24 when He's talking to the woman at the well. If He created us in His image, connect the dots. We're a spirit with a soul, a mind, a will, and emotions just like God. A personality. And we have a body. The spirit of a Christian. A believer. Someone who's truly born again. Already agrees with God. Already magnifies the Lord. Already praises God. Is already filled with all the peace, love and joy. That you will ever need. Always ready to praise and agree with God. So it's important that. She said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. I have made a conscious decision to praise, to magnify God. 
Because our mind and our will and emotions are still up to us. We can either choose to <coughs> renew this mind by the washing of the water of the word with the whole help of the Holy Spirit and get into agreement with God, or we can choose not to. God will never force us, because like I always say, He's not looking for... You know, He had angels that are forced... To do his will already. You will judge some of those angels one day. But he wanted a family. So he sowed a seed. His only son. And now he's reaping the harvest. And it's a painful. Troublesome. Heartbreaking harvest. He's like a hard working farmer. God knew it was going to cause him pain when he gave us a free will. But he did it anyway. What we think of God, talking about magnifying the Lord, how she magnified him when she praised him and gave him glory and honor in her song by repeating, rehearsing his victories and his his goodness and the things that he had done and was going to do and was doing. When what we think of God, like we were talking about earlier, when we were talking about fasting, it doesn't change God. When we think of God, it doesn't, if we don't think of Him highly, or if we do, it doesn't diminish Him in any way, does it? God is God. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's all-knowing, all-powerful. But it changes how much of Him and His provision we receive. This is, this is the key. This is why magnifying the Lord is so important. It's not going to change Him one bit. He loves you. He wants you to understand these spiritual laws that are in place. So that you can benefit from them. But he's not going to force you to believe. He's not going to force you to participate. That's just like with Jesus talked about. The law of sowing and reaping. And when he did. Of course most people apply it to money. The tithe. The first. The tenth of all you're given. Everything. All your increase should go to God. And then there's offerings and all these things. And they were. They were familiar with this. And he talked about money a lot because it's important. And he applied that that spiritual law of sowing and reaping to money. That's what God's plan is to get money to his people. He's looking. He doesn't want your money. He wants your seed. So he can bless it and return seed to the sower. 30, 60, 100 fold return. Amen. Jesus said, if you don't understand this principle... This parable, you won't understand any of my teachings. That's pretty drastic. Makes it important. Because the point is, everything in the kingdom of God is in seed form. Your time, your money, your gifts, everything that you have in your care, you are a steward of. And God sees it all in seed form and we're constantly sowing and planting 
Words. Everything is in seed form. And so, when we magnify the Lord, when we praise God, when we glorify God, we remind Him of all the good things He's done throughout the Word of God, what He did for other people, what He's done for us. We rehearse the track record of blessings, the track record of answered prayers, the track record of all the good things He's done for other people, as well as our own lives, the times He saved us and spared us and healed us and provided and fed us. He loves it. It magnifies Him in your mind and heart and it makes your faith strong and it makes it where you can take that faith and use it as the hand that reaches out and obtains, grabs hold of the things provided by grace through the atonement. All the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control that you'll ever need are already inside of you. God has already provided everything that you'll ever need for this life and godliness. It's all in you. You just need to learn to work out the salvation that's already within. And this is how you do it. This is the dipper that takes and draws from the bucket. From the well. Our faith. And this is a way to inspire. The things we've been talking about. This thankfulness. This childlike faith of humility. This praising God. Which glorifies and magnifies God. These things will make you. Your life so rich. Psalm 69.30 says, I will magnify Him with thanksgiving. See, that tells you that by, by thanking Him and praising God, it magnifies God. It Does it make God bigger? No. To you it does, though. And remember, like I always talk about the seesaw. We're made like a seesaw. You can't magnify God and His provision and His promises and His goodness at the same time as you magnifying your trials and struggles and tribulations and hardships. You're going to make one bigger or the other. And it's better to choose God because then all of the provision to take care of the other things, the, the, the molehills you've been making into mountains, the provision will be found when you minimize their size in the spiritual realm and maximize His. Amen? It says that I will magnify him with thanksgiving. And then our memories of his faithfulness, that track record, is stirs us up. Like Peter talks about in 2 Peter 1.13. And it builds our faith, which is what Paul was talking about in Colossians 2.7. So, I hope that you're getting the concept here. These keys I'm talking about, they always God always wants me to remind people this isn't a this isn't a uh, a system or a formula. There's no magical potion. These are just spiritual truths and realities. I'm calling keys. We don't want to ever put God in a box, but He these things work. These things work. This is the Christian life that He's called you to. And most of us are living way short 
of our inheritance in Christ. And just these few last few weeks, these simple messages, if if we were to just embrace them and realize this, these these little things right here will change my world and change the world of people that I know for the good if I will embrace them and ask God to help you. Tell Him, I I believe what Pastor Will said. I, I believe it just like He believes it. Help me grow in it just like He's asking you to help Him grow in it. Because I am. Every day. You know? I know, especially when you minister these truths, and then, and you know, I'm I'm just like you guys. You know, I remember a great minister who's passed on now. He said, "You should never ask God to do anything that He's already done or provided for, <laughs> and you should never ask God to do anything that He's told you to do, because if He told you to do it, He already gave." It, it, it installed the the every every all the power to accomplish that word, just like when he told Peter, "Come." The power to walk on that water was in that word, "Come." So when he tells us to do something, as scary as it might be, think of Mary having to go home to tell her mama and Joseph. All the provision was already made, though. Just like when Abraham was going up that mountain with Isaac and Isaac was carrying the sticks for the wood on his back as a picture of Christ and the cross. All the way up there, don't you know Abraham was thinking about having to kill that boy to sacrifice him? Although it says in the Bible he never wavered in faith. I want to ask him about that one day because he never changed his mind, but I know he had some thoughts. Because he loved that boy. This was the promised child. But he, the Bible says in the, in the great faith chapter in Hebrews that he, he believed that even if he had to carry through with it, God would raise him back from the dead. That's how much faith he had because God had promised him this child. And from that child, he had promised him multitudes of children. And that hadn't happened yet. That's a powerful thing to remember. If God has told you something, that's how Andrew Womack's Son, who was dead for five hours in the morgue with a toe tag on, is alive and well today with children of his own. Because on the way to the morgue, Andrew remembered a prophecy that had been spoken about his boys that had not come to pass yet. And he clung on to that and he began to praise God and magnify God and his promises and say, this report will not be the last. And in Jesus' name, that boy's alive today. When he got there, he said, just a little while ago, he woke up and started talking. And he's fine. Doesn't have any brain damage or nothing. Andrew says, no more than he already had. <laughs> we play a, a little game with Harper. Because when you're four... You are a little bit self-centered. As sweet as that child is. Oh God, she's sweetheart. Come woke me up this morning. But 
she is wonderful. She is such a big part of our lives. But, you know, they can be a little self-centered. <laughs> and when, uh, when she starts to complain about something, I've learned to, to play a little game with her. I start saying, let's, let's think of all the things... Because she loves to play a game, you know, it could be anything. You make up a game, oh yeah. But we, I, let's think of all the things that we have to be thankful to God for. Let's see, mommy and daddy, and then I'll just start, I'll say, I, I'm thankful for this. I'll start saying my things I'm thankful for. Because at first you don't want to play. You know, it's like us. <laughs> Sometimes these hands are very heavy when, when you know you need to, Get them in the air and start praising God. But when you're mad about something or upset and feeling justified in it, it can be the heaviest hands to lift, you know. Feel like feel like Moses. You need somebody to hold my hands up for me. But she, she's learned to play that game, you know. And she's learned that, that pretty soon those little things that we're upset about, they... They're not so big when you start getting, being thankful and remembering all the good things that God has done for you. Last night, she was going to go to bed and she stayed the night, obviously. And she said, uh, Papa, and a hug and kiss. And she told me good night. And then she said, Papa, you come and check on me later. I said, baby, Papa's always watching over you. And so is Jesus. And so are your angels. And I said, don't that make you feel happy and safe? It does me. And she said, yeah. <laughs> Mary magnified the Lord. And she was a part of bringing the greatest miracle into the world that's ever happened. So, we just need to understand that we can see our miracles come to pass as well. We just need to start praising God, thanking Him for everything that He has done, that He is doing, that He will do, recalling His faithfulness, His track record in our lives, and proclaiming His promises over our situation. And we'll... Be just able to see in just a moment. Just like I tell people, the moment you agree with God, things start changing. I'll tell you the same about these keys of the kingdom. The moment we start being thankful to God and praising God and glorifying God in humility, understanding our total total dependence upon Him and telling Him about it and believing on Him, we will begin to see God's increase in our lives and our souls. It's going to drastically improve how we receive from God. Amen. Yeah. Y'all with me on that? Amen. We can all work on that together. Amen. I'll be praying for you like I always do. I pray for everybody here. Even the ones that aren't here. I'm praying for them. Even the ones that listen by that I've never met around the world, I pray for them. Everybody in my life, I pray for. 
And I believe God is working in their lives. I, I feel like people are lucky when they get to know me. Not because there's anything special about me. I feel, I feel inadequate every time I, try to, I start to come up here and stand up here before you. It takes a supernatural anointing from God to get me up here every week. Because I do not feel worthy in myself. That's why my prayer is always, Lord, don't let it be me. That's why when he called me, I said no. <laughs> There's a church on every corner and they all disagree. How, what am I supposed to say? How do I know who's right? You have to teach me if you want me to do it. And he said, okay. <laughs> so, my trust is that it's him. And then the parts that are me that y'all just don't hear that. That's my prayer. So I hope you've been blessed today by this word I have. Amen. And uh, I love you all. And Merry Christmas. we got one more week before that we'll meet before Christmas. So I look forward to that. And hopefully you all all bring some friends. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day and for your, your precious word. Thank you for this beautiful Christmas story and helping us to understand the plans and the hopes that you have for us by looking at the the things that others have gone through in the Bible, including Mary, who we admire very much. Thank you, Lord, for inspiring in us the confidence that she had in you, the trust that she had in you. Thank you for the hope that we have in you, Lord Jesus, and for the sacrifice that you've made for us all. Thank you for loving us so much and that our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah.